I'm glad you're with me for our study today. We're talking generally on the subject, big questions, but bigger answers. What God's Word has to say. We've talked about why, uh, who we are, why we're here. And the New Testament talks a lot about the term gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L, gospel. And I, I want to talk today on the question, what is the gospel? What does the Bible mean when it talks about the gospel? Well, literally, the word gospel means good news. And Paul gives us a total definition of what the gospel is in in the book of 1 Corinthians. Let me read the first few verses of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received... Here's what the gospel is. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter or Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters, at the same time most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. What is the gospel? The gospel is all about Jesus. The gospel is the good news that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. So it's, it's really simple. It's the good news of Jesus, of his grace and his love. And I want, I want you to understand, first of all, that the scripture emphasizes that Christ died for our sins. This is where the gospel always starts. It starts with the crucifixion of Christ. This is, this is really amazing because it doesn't mention a word about his birth. Now, certainly if we want to know all about Jesus, we know about his birth. But the good news is he came to this world to die. Jesus was born to die. He was born into this world as the sacrifice for our sins, as the Savior who would pay the penalty that we could never produce payment for by anything we could do or say or earn. So he died, according to the Scriptures, for our sins. The Old Testament had prophesied this, predicted this, proclaimed this. The prophets had talked about this. The Bible says in in uh, the book of Isaiah chapter 53, for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our sins were upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. For all we like sheep have gone astray, and we've gone everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. So the Bible wants us to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, it was not an afterthought. It was not a happenstance. It was the fruition of the eternal God of heaven planning a sacrifice for our sins, long before it happened. And it was predicted and prophesied. Peter described it. He said, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. And the good news is that he takes seriously our need and he provides for us a way out of our sins. Nothing we can do to do that. The philosophy of many today is that God is a judge and he's he just weighs the good and bad in our lives, and if we're better than we are bad, if our good outweighs our bad, we'll get to heaven. But 
that's not going to work out. What about our guilty past? In fact, the scripture says God's standard is perfection. He says, be perfect as I am perfect. Well, I don't know of anybody who's perfect. I've known a few people who thought they were, but they were far from it. They were some of the most imperfect of all. And I know some who've assumed in their as false prophets that they were God himself, but they were not anything close to what God himself is like. And it's important for us to see that Jesus Christ is the only one who could die for our sins. But there's a second element in the gospel, and that concerns Jesus being buried. You say, well, why is that so important? I mean, he died. That was the main thing. He died for our sins. But think about it. It doesn't seem overly significant. <clears throat> but why did he include that in the good news? Well, when we think of the death and resurrection of Christ, his disciples took his body from the cross. They realized he was dead. It was hard for them to accept the fact that he was dead. They didn't want to believe that he was dead, but they knew he was. They saw that he was. They recognized that he was. And they placed him in the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And that's a part of the gospel. And that shows us, you see, the fact that he was buried and convinced the disciples that he was dead, and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus who buried him that he was dead, proved that he literally died on the cross. He literally paid the ultimate penalty for our sins. See, there's a theory called the swoon theory that says Jesus never really died. He just passed out. And when they took him down from the cross, he was revived and he got better and he never died at all, so he never really rose from the dead. But this proves he was buried. And the, sec the third element of the gospel is that he was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. Once again, this is the fulfillment of the predictions of the Old Testament that he would rise from the, old, from the dead. The Old Testament had predicted it. The prophets had declared this. And Jesus had said while he was here on earth that he would that this temple would be laid down and taken up after three days. He came back to life, and in, in the life he came back to was even more than the life he had. He had physical life before, but now he had a spiritual body, which was not limited to time and space. So there are three basic facts about the, the gospel. If you're, if you're going to share the good news about Christ, you share that he died for our sins, according to Scripture. He was buried, and he rose again, which means... He's alive, which means that he is our king. And what happens here in this passage is Paul wants to show proof that he's alive. His resurrection is not a rumor. His resurrection is not a lie. His resurrection is not some scheme perpetrated by some ignorant people in Israel a long time ago. No, the proof is that he appeared to many different people, to at least 500 at one time. He appeared to the 12 after the his resurrection. He, he appeared to individuals like Peter and James and others. But the fact is there were many different appearances in which he shared the fact that he was alive, in which he proved that he was alive, and he gave forth the truth that he was alive. And eyewitnesses reveal that truth. But notice also what the gospel does. Paul, in sharing with the Corinthians, as proof said, I preached this gospel to you. You heard it, you received it, and you were changed. You see, you, you, you believe Jesus died for you, was buried, rose again, and is alive, and you received him into your life, and he's transformed your life and made you 
a new person. That's what happens when the gospel of Jesus Christ is shared. People come to know Christ. Across the years, as I've shared the gospel, I've seen people come to Christ. It was not my preaching or my teaching or my personal testimony or my sharing with an individual, but it was the, that's why Paul says that the power of the gospel is amazing, that it's able to explode into a person's life and make them a new person. Tell somebody about Jesus today, and if they don't accept him, trust him, pray for them, and leave it with him, and let him work. God bless you. Have a great day.